Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robots Radio presents... to the cyberpunk lorecast where style is just as important as substance welcome to the podcast where we explore the lore news and gameplay of the cyberpunk games and other dystopian worlds i'm your host robots cyberpunks that drum fill means it's time for the cyberpunk lorecast i'm your host tom or robots and i'm here with my co-host the most captain of Logan's, Captain Logan. What's I up? am the captain. I'm I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Your hair's getting long. I've got yeah. I don't know if you we, knew this. We're talking about uh the Tim the Tim Burton esque curl I've got going on right here, where yeah. where um Jack Skellington goes to sing about Christmas right on top of my head. Um, what's this? What's <laughs> this? There's hair everywhere. What's this? What's uh, this? Yeah, There's dandruff in my hand. <laughs> oh God, I hope not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I showered today. Um, that's good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, t- uh, okay. Let's get on topic, friend. You and I, we should just do a show where we talk about absolutely nothing and just make jokes the whole time. But that is not this show, friends. This show is the show where we talk about cyberpunk. And specifically, this show is when we talk, where we talk about what is cyberpunk. No, really. Yep. Like, we're talking about what is cyberpunk. Because we never did that, strangely enough. It's strange. We we went we went hard into what cyberpunk for the tabletop RPG is like early on, and then we went into cyberpunk the game, and I feel like we kind of skipped the whole genre description altogether. All yeah. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> hopefully, if people are listening to this in the number episode that's in year two, they're like, oh. Now they're getting into what I finally understand what cyberpunk is. I finally get it. I get to know what this first word in the name of the show is. I think I know what a lore cast is by this point, maybe. But what is a cyberpunk? So here, I'm going to kick us off. We've both been doing some of our own research, and I know that you've been digging around in only the most knowledgeable corners of the internet. The most reputable, Um, but I've 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 gone to uh, the online etymology. uh, I can't even say the word online etymology dictionary for this one. Hey, do you want to know about the origin of the word punk? Yeah, actually, because I've got it here. 
What is what is punk? So one of the origins of the word punk is Chinese incense, but that's not the one we're going to talk about. We're going to talk okay. about the second one that is worthless person, especially a young hoodlum or petty criminal from 1917, oh. probably from punk kid criminals apprentice. Did you know criminals had apprentice? I mean, I knew they had goons. Does that count? I guess it goes on. It says U.S. underworld slang attested by 1904 with overturns of catamite, ultimately from punk adjective inferior or bad or else from prunk. I'm not prunk. I'm sorry. Punk. Pro, I, I was reading ahead. Prostitute. That's where I got the error from. Harlot. Strumpet. Attested by 1590s of unknown origin. Related. Wow. Punkling. That's crazy. That, yes. I didn't realize it went that far back. Like anytime I ever thought of punk, you know, I could probably attribute it to like the 50s with like punk kid. Like that felt like that was kind of when that was from. But uh, not like the 1900s, man. Not like the, the turn of the century. That's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and the idea that. of uh, like criminal underworld and having something to do with not only criminals, uh, but also the harlots and prostitutes and strumpets, the I don't g- <laughs> strumpets. <laughs> strumpets. Yes. What? Yes. What does it even mean? A strumpet is a woman of the night. OK. Or I a punkling. I thought it was a delicacy, but apparently not. No. Apparently, maybe it actually is. No, you strumpet. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's so, so, that's so out there. Yeah, but that makes okay. sense with the idea of like punk rock. It was like, like punk rock was like this idea of rock and roll music that was of the underclass, the kinds of people who would, you know, like throw rocks at stores yeah. and paint on the sides of the walls with graffiti and you know like yeah you know that kind of stuff right um it truly does so that makes sense right and then check this out check this out you want to know about the origins of the word cyber uh we'll go for the origins i don't know if i want to go down all the the routes of the definition no no just the origins (laughs) of the word cyber okay all right all right here we go all right so um this one's a little bit harder to find but i did find an article that um talks about the uh the first uses of the word cyber and it was actually first used in cybernetics as the full word cybernetics because that was derived by um uh, from the greek word kubernetes which referred to a pilot or a steersman and it was related to the word kubernesis which meant the gift of governance and it applied to leadership so oh. Okay, um, I'm following. Okay, so and it says here in this this article that comes from alpinesecurity.com and actually talks about cybernetics, cyberspace, cybersecurity, those kinds of things. Um, it says here because the study of cybernetics involved the fields of computer science, engineering, and biology and their advancements, it calls to mind all things futuristic. So um, uh, there was mm-hmm. something else I wanted to point in. Uh, maybe it wasn't. It kind of makes sense with like automation and stuff uh, governing systems that's so crazy though i I wouldn't have gone back that far though i was i was expecting something like maybe like the 50s or 60s uh more more typically like the 70s but definitely not like a a root word based 
on like Greek and Latin. That's cool. Yeah. And this, this, uh, came into use in the 1940s. Uh, mm. cybernetics arose as the study of control systems and communications between people and machines, which makes sense because the 1940s was, uh, the world war two. And yeah. there, this was, uh, the time of crowed, uh, crowed code cracking. I'm combining the sounds of words in my, I'm, I'm like, you ahead, really are. I'm ahead of my, <laughs> my mouth can't catch up with my brain friends. Um, but this was code cracking. This was a time where we were actually implementing, um, computer, uh, technology. I mean, this was, this was Turing. Yeah. This was the time of Turing and, um, computer science. So cybernetics was, they needed to come up with a word for the use of these things. So by the time of the 1980s, you had the word cybernetics had been in the vernacular now for a good 40 years. And you had the use of the word punk, which had been in the vernacular for a good 80 years or so. Yeah. And so wow. you had the combining of those words into a phrase that was then used by, uh, you want to guess who? Uh, Gibson. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gibson. Now, who's Gibson? William Gibson, the what? famed writer. The famed uh, writer, William Gibson. Tell me about William. What, what do you know about William Gibson? Um, I know that he is, he's very prolific as far as like an actual science fiction uh, writer. He's been, been uh, writing books for a while. I'm trying to remember um the first one that i'm thinking of was neuromancer uh that he came up with mm -hmm. um and that that book in itself came up with the idea of the net uh and, and kind of brought out the idea of of what people experiencing things that are actually within a cyberspace you know he kind of came up with the idea of like their uh, I, I, maybe it was actually not that it wasn't the net. It was, I think it was cyberspace. It's been forever since I read neuromancer. I'll okay. be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're onto something here. Okay. So neuromancer. So from, uh, the Wikipedia article on this is a 1984 science fiction novel by American Canadian writer, William Gibson considered one of the earliest and best known works in the cyberpunk genre. It was the only novel to win a nebula award. That's a wonderful name for an award won by a cyberpunk book, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Philip K. Uh, K. Dick Award and the Hugo Award. Three awards. Three big awards in, in writing. It was Gibson's debut novel. That's amazing. Can you imagine writing your first novel and having like those three awards just oh, being given to it? That's reminds me reminds me of uh, of of uh, Ernest Klein with um, and, and many people are not going to agree that it's a good a good book. But Ready Player One had that same feel where it, it felt like it really kind of took nostalgia. If you were to write a book and title it nostalgia, that's kind of what Ernest Klein was able to do for a lot of people that are fans of games and stuff. So, yeah, it's like Gibson, a few others and stuff. But the the most recent, I would say, is probably Klein. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it says here it was uh, I'm sorry. It was Gibson's debut novel and the beginning of the sprawl trilogy. It is set in the future. The novel follows Henry Case, a washed up hacker hired for one last job. Hacker, somebody in the underworld, a punk. Yeah. Which brings him up against a powerful artificial intelligence having to do with cyberware, cyber technology, those kinds of things. Now, Technically, this isn't where the phrase cyberpunk actually comes from, although it is one of the earliest works in the cyberpunk genre. So check this out. Check this out, friends. The um, 
Wait a minute. I got a weird. I got a weird quote from uh, Gibson that I'd pulled up. If you want it, yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Uh, so this was this was in relation to Blade Runner. Since we talked about Blade Runner last couple episodes, uh, Gibson actually said, uh, "I was afraid to watch Blade Runner in the theater because I was afraid the movie would be better than what I myself had been able to imagine." In a way, I was right to be afraid because even the first few minutes were better. I met Ridley Scott years later, maybe a decade or more after Blade Runner was released, and I told him that uh, what Neuromancer was made of, and he had basically the same list of ingredients for Blade Runner. That's cool. That's really interesting to to me, at least, that it was like we were talking about what's considered cyberpunk and the things that uh, it makes me wonder how much Ridley Scott pulled from uh, Neuromancer as well as uh, uh, Do Androids uh, Dream of Electric Sheep. Right. Yeah. 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 It's funny. It's funny how these kinds of ideas, these like concepts like these seem to congeal together in multiple minds in different places all at the same time due to things that are happening in the world. And um, there's a concept that ideas are like viruses and they spread and they often come into multiple people's heads, like the invention of the automobile is is one of them or the invention of the light bulb the idea that oh the automobile was invented by a person in a place at a time is false these things were actually invented in separate places at almost the same time in almost the same year even by multiple plate people and it's because we had the right technology in the right places and we had we were talking about the right kinds of things and people were reading the right kinds of books and so these ideas all sparked almost simultaneously at different places at about the same time and this is true for the concept of cyberpunk. People were reading the the right kinds of formative fiction. They were reading the right kinds of things that kind of pushed us into this place that made it almost inevitable that we were going to get this kind of subgenre of science fiction. So, so here, we're going to take this a step further. Have you heard of Bruce Bethke? I know the name, but I haven't read anything. Okay, uh, so... This. Bruce Bethke, born in 1955, is an American author best known for his 1983, the year before the uh, Neuromancer, 1983 short story, Cyberpunk. The actual short story is called Cyberpunk, and it's a compilation of, of, of individual short stories that are even smaller that were written from beginning in the year 1980 which led to the widespread use of the term, including the cyberpunk subgenre of science fiction. His novel Head Crash won the Philip K. Dick Award in 1995. This was, of course, much later um, for science fiction original paperback published in the U.S. Bethke's collection of thoughts on the cyberpunk subculture are available on his website in an essay titled The Etymology of Cyberpunk. He also served as a judge on the Philip K. Dick Award in 2013. He's been... um, kind of a formative individual in a lot of these kinds of concepts. And in fact, he currently lives in Minnesota and works as the developer of supercomputer software. How freaking cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's so crazy. I wonder what they're doing then. I wonder if they're what they're what kind of software they're creating. If it's like AI based or not. Yeah. But like mm. the the kinds of people who were thinking about this stuff in the 80s, like guys like Bruce Bethke are like immersed in this. They, mm-hmm. you know, he's uh, 65, 66 years old at this point. He's like lived his life 
thinking about how computers think, you know, yeah, <laughs> and writing about it and programming computers about it. And that's where he is now. That's just it's just amazing. Yeah, so that's really cool. So um, you dove, dove into some um, uh, sites of high repute, ill repute, shall we say? <laughs> What did you I find went to Urban this? Dictionary. <laughs> uh-huh. I, went to, I went to Urban Dictionary just to look up a couple things. Um, and there was a couple, it was, it was just weird. Like, uh, in, a lot of what you covered is honestly what Urban Dictionary covered. It talks about a subgenre of science fiction, uh, that nerds can never agree. The one thing that I noticed a lot of websites said was that a lot of them can't lock down a definition of what can, what is considered cyberpunk. Uh, but it has a lot of, different um aspects that tend to cross over the mediums and stuff so uh when when i was reading through this it was for some for some reason and (laughs) this always cracks me up uh they started listing a few of the things that indicate what would be considered uh cyberpunk and they're like hackers virtual reality uh, a dark future and then it goes into sunglasses and (laughs) leather Uh and pimpin suits and techno music and i'm like oh, okay all right all right mm, okay <laughs> so and then it, it's it talks about some of the more common things like evil corporate dudes anything related to it feels like this is written in the 90s anything related to japan spunky teenager couriers on wheels <laughs> sarcasm robots and <laughs> it's just it was really funny to read some of the uh the, the things but um i i wanted to pull a list of uh at least some of the things that um most people would consider like the the some of the best examples of like cyberpunk film because we were talking about blade runner and how it was more of like a foundation but uh i was looking at some of the the best cyberpunk movies and there's there's some obvious ones like uh johnny mnemonic is a really kind of obvious one metropolitan or metropolis is another one Mm -hmm. uh, that a lot of people uh, look at um one that i didn't think about until uh i actually saw it was logan's run which yeah. does actually fall in line with with a, a dark future and stuff like that. Um, Tron, one of my favorite yes. movies. I didn't ever think about it, but it is something that could be considered cyberpunk if you think about where the world goes for Flynn and what he has to do and how he has to get back. But I always just considered it kind of a like a, a just more like a sci-fi film than a, like a cyberpunk. But um, what did you think if I told you that Terminator would be one that was considered cyberpunk? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's cyberpunk. Uh, the The world of the Terminator is cyberpunk, but it's a yeah. it's like a pre cyberpunk because it's cyberpunk coming back to the present of the eight nineteen eighties. Yeah, um, I didn't think about it, but yeah, yeah. Like Skynet yeah, yeah. is is a corporation. Absolutely. That- yeah, it's it's but I, I I would always just consider it like a sci-fi film, not something really cyberpunk. Uh, right. so the Matrix was, uh, is absolutely cyberpunk. Yeah, The Matrix, definitely. Uh, Robocop, um, Akira, uh, Ghost mm-hmm. in the Shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some really like it just it's so interesting to, to see what a lot of people would consider like cyberpunk um, and, and like total total recall. Definitely something that I think a lot of people uh, would consider like cyberpunk given the, the nature of going off planet and having these corporations controlling you and memory wipes and stuff, and lawnmower man, things like that. I think those are kind of the, the, the base ones, but 
Um, yeah, just, it was, it was really interesting looking at like when cyberpunk was really popular in film, even though we wouldn't consider it, most people wouldn't consider those cyberpunk. Uh, and, and it seems like the nineties was something where there was a huge ramp up, uh, when we got the, the ability to do technology better in films and technology was growing and spreading out to different, uh, homes and becoming more of like a, a personal thing. So, uh, it was there, the vernacular was becoming more present day. And I think things that, uh, that, that kind of influence that are, are you know, movies in general, but, um, it's interesting to see how it was always something that people kind of feared back then. They didn't really know how to handle it. The fear and, of uh, the internet, a yeah. generation of adults who didn't grow up with computer technology. Yeah. All of a sudden yeah. having to, to deal with that and having to deal with uh, their children who were now teenagers who were comfortable with it and mm -hmm. they weren't. Was yeah. Like really interesting. Bonding that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and yet, and it, it wasn't as flashy and shiny as what we would what we would generally see, especially with something like Cyberpunk 2077 and and, you know, Cyberpunk Red and, and, and the kinds of um, the worlds of cyberpunk that we're seeing now that we associate, especially with the uh, the post aughts, like the post, you know, 2000 neon. You know, like yeah. like the aesthetic, the current day aesthetic has come back around to that 80s kind of bright colors, the neons yeah. and the like that aesthetic has come back around. But in the 90s, everything, especially in the early and mid 90s, we had there was much more of that that dirty punk grunge aesthetic. Yeah, that was it's weird permeating everything. Um and even the matrix had more of that grunge aesthetic to it mm -hmm. than anything else. Really? Um, yeah. the Terminator had more of a grunge aesthetic, especially Terminator two was very, Oh, totally. I mean, it, it, yes, yes. That like the music was guns and roses, but the aesthetic <laughs> was grunge. It was, it was not hair metal. <laughs> like yeah. it was like, I mean, yeah, it was leather jackets, but like it was dirty. Like it was, it was, it was that was a dirty film, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it was really it's it's interesting to look at um, how our like the, the nostalgia that we have for the 80s has really felt like it's influenced a lot of what current day cyberpunk aesthetic looks like compared to what cyberpunk was considered back in the 90s In the 90s. It very much was kind of uh, living in that kind of grunge dystopian future where nothing is flashy nothing is is uh you know beautiful it's all kind of like you're you're living you know uh high tech uh but low life was was one of the things that i was reading as far as like article where yes it, you are in the nebuchadnezzar and the nebuchadnezzar is this this floating ship that travels through the subways or the the sewer systems of the city the last great human city and all these machines are flying around and doing stuff, but everything feels like low tech. Like you've got touch screen still. There's right. no holographic projections, you know, in, in, in the matrix. It's not until you get way into the future of films that you start to actually see uh, things like Iron Man was the biggest uh, breakthrough for like heads up displays or, or minor minority report biggest uh, first time. I think everyone was yeah. just like the idea of controlling a computer uh, through touch on a on a uh, glass plane of, of, you know, instead of having a, a an opaque uh, monitor in front of us. And we still haven't even really gotten to that point yet. But uh, there's definitely a, a break between when 
films and, and technology uh, had us kind of looking at a very low tech, you know, if you think about uh, the technology used in like Running Man or Total Recall, um, uh, the, the Matrix, things like that, you, you can definitely see that we are still basing a lot of the technology of what is considered cyberpunk on the idea of how technology would look if it were 15 years in the future based on what we see. You know, people are still using telephones, but the telephones are super super high-tech telephones but they're definitely not smartphones or even and just it, the 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 living the, the quality of life for the people like like yep. you talk about the matrix um the people in the nebuchadnezzar are living in a machine that can fly using yeah. electromagnetic energy or something like what are yep. what are those little things on the outside of that thing using to keep itself hovering like it's using some sort of energy field in order to keep itself hovering in the middle of these like tubes and fly yeah. around right and 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 it's using some sort of immense power source to keep this thing powered moving around mm -hmm. and yet when was the last time any of them took a shower <laughs> you know like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like the quality of life inside that ship is very very low and yet they have yeah. power sources and technology that is very very high level and so that that like disconnect between quality of human life and yet advancements in technology are skewed very, yeah. you know, uh, the Terminator, the, the world that the people in the future live in, the the compu the robots are very advanced technologically. Even the the tools and the weapons that the humans are using to fight the robots are very advanced technologically. But the squalor that the humans are living in is very, very meager. And it's a very yeah. like very different kind of existence that they have to survive in. So I would I would I would feel that 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 is that is to me, at least a very set thing in what cyberpunk aesthetic is uh like if you had to define what cyberpunk is i would very much say that it is high technology in low quality of living uh for a, a large percentage of the population uh whether that population be like all human or human and android or human android and alien uh and, and it just kind of flows in between wh wherever its setting is but you always have to have some semblance of that populace living in a high-tech low low life uh system yeah and we see that in blade runner um and i think that's one of the things that's yeah. so striking about that film is um especially when you see the um the scenes where you go in and i love the scenes where you go in and out of uh what's his name the guy who makes all the all the living dolls oh oh gosh his, I am blinking on his name. I forget his I name. I'm so bad with names. Um, he lives in what looks like an abandoned apartment complex, right? And he's oh, like he's totally in like a, a full building, like it's a, full, a full building. And he's yeah. the only one in there because it, it, it looks like an old building that's probably been shuttered. And yet yeah. he's the only one living in there, probably illegally. And <laughs> and yet it's beautiful. It looks like this wonderful old work of architecture, which is why it's probably shuttered. Right. And yet yeah. he's living in this space and it's this beautiful old work of, you know, but it doesn't it, do, it doesn't look high tech. And yet yeah. he's living in this very, you know, old looking like and, and, and they take time to show you like these these hallways and like the pillars and the, the door, like the, you know, the doorways that they have to walk under and, and the openings and the little elevator they have to go up and down in order to get in it. Um, it looks like a like it should be like a New York sky rise and Sebastian has just filled it with all of his little little friends yeah. that he 
because he's completely alone because it's so much easier for for like the real estate isn't an issue it's literally just the discrepancy between what people get and you would imagine someone that helps create craft tyrell's like line of of uh you know um uh, replicants that of all the people that should be propped up, you know, yeah. Tyrell would have tossed him a bone, but even Sebastian is left there in the slums. Like he's right. having to live day to day and is completely alone, whether he wants to be or not. Right. Yeah. And like, is he paying for that? Is some, some landlord like charging him rent to live in this dump of a place? Like how does that even work? Um, yeah. Yeah. So here, here's what I want to do. We got to, we got to take a mid break. Yep. We got to go thank our patrons. Um, Here's what I want to do. I want to, I think this is going to be a fun experiment. I want to read, I want to read you the description of the cyberpunk novel from 1983. And I I want your reaction to this. And then I want to read through the wiki definition and description of cyberpunk, the subgenre. Okay. And And I want us to react to the films and the books and things that it names in the video games. And and just our reactions to what it what it says in here. Cool. And we're gonna. React I'm, I'm to ready. All right. Here we go. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Do you like adventure? Yeah. Do you like laughing? Uh, yeah. Would you like to listen to a group of people you don't know play D&D and reference retro pop culture you vaguely remember? Um... Excellent. You're going to love Committee Quest. We play D&D in the world of Amarin. We use adventure modules and supplements made by people in the community. We also have a sweet synthwave backing track. Come and join us on our adventure. Volume 1 has been completed. Volume 2 coming the end of January. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, so here we are in the middle of the show. This is the part where we get to thank our patrons for being freaking amazing. Thank you to all of our patrons. You guys are what allows us to do the show every week. And if we've helped you get through your workday, your commute, your workout, uh, your uh, conversations with your isp when they put you on hold whatever it is and you want to throw us a bone then we would really appreciate it you can sign up on patreon.com cyberpunk lorecast for as little as three bucks and get ad free episodes and thank you to all 15 of our of our subscribers and if you want to join us on a future episode of the show you can be a cyber upgrade member and you can do that and join us at the end of the month to talk about whatever cyberpunk topic you would like in fact it might be fun to revise one of these 
Blade Runner or what is Cyberpunk Topics this month. That's coming up in just two weeks. So go check that out. We would love to have you join us. And we do this because you guys help support the show. So I personally want to say thank you because you guys are what help allow me to do this for a living. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that enough. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so very, 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 very extra very much. All right, let's go talk about some more cyberpunk. All right, so here's the plot summary for cyberpunk, the novel from 1983 by Bruce Bethke. Through heavy use of the literary technique of indirect exposition, known in the science fiction world as including, where it originated with Robert Heinlein, the reader learns that the character Mikey is a proficient and troublemaking computer virtuoso, essentially a, quote, hacker. Though this term is not used in the story, he hangs out with friends who cause trouble online, encounters interference from his parents and uses his skills to circumvent their will in the novelized version, which incorporates a number of short story. um, I'm sorry, sequel short stories. This goes through a number of different phases. Novel cyberpunk was originally written as a series of short stories in the 1980s. Bethke says, after I sold the original story in 82, I continued to work on the story cycle, publishing bits and pieces here and there throughout the 1980s. In 89, I pulled the major chunks together into the rough form of a novel, and to my surprise and delight, I sold it to a publisher who later regained his sanity and decided not to release it. (laughs) This novel was purchased by a publisher via an exclusive contract that forbade Bethke to sell the novel to another publisher. However, the publisher decided not to release the novel, causing several years of legal battles over the rights to the book. Bethke has a downloadable version of the novel, available for $5 shareware on his website. When asked during a 2005 interview by Lynn Jamnick in Strange Horizons for the reason his publisher purchased the book but never printed it, Bethke replied that it was because he had refused to change the ending. What the publisher wanted me to write was a Frazetta cover ending. You know, the hero, center stage, with a mighty weapon in his hands, a cowering half-naked babe at his feet and the blood-smeared corpse of his many enemies piled high all around. Bethke said that he refused because this ending scene would have taken place in a school. He concluded that the book might indeed have sold better that way, but sales aren't everything. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. How do you feel about that? Oh my god, that's so so they basically wanted like this this kind of like uh evil dead Star Wars kind of yes. doom yes. and ending for a kid. This is <laughs> So this is why this is why wow. we haven't heard of this. The book Man. the book basically got shelved. That's so because weird. He didn't, you know what it... he didn't want to turn this into Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Like he kept to he kept to, like he was like, no, that's not what this book is. Oh my gosh. Isn't that amazing? That's so ridiculous. That's so crazy. But you know what it reminds me of so much is is essentially what a lot of cyberpunk films would go on to do. Yeah, you know, like you look at hackers, 
what's his name? Jade Murphy um, is just, he's a kid when he hacks this bank just to mess around with it at like, you know, eight or nine or something. And he gets sentenced to like 10 years uh, without being able to touch a computer or a touch tone telephone. And, you know, he, he gets his, uh, he gets his, his freedoms back when he's 18 and he goes right back into it and it, and he starts messing around and playing around with other hackers and stuff. And that's when the whole film kicks off. But it's like, it is, it is essentially what that kind of a story is. Um, but just skips forward in time a little bit. I also think of, uh, war games with Matthew Broderick, uh, and how he's playing around as a hacker on computers and ends up getting into uh, uh uh the pentagon i think it was or or was it nasa but we, he's talking to a computer and playing a game but the game is is now war games and he's playing around with nuclear missiles and stuff in in a cold war era and it's yeah it's like it, it's weird how that story is such a a prominent story in a lot of film and in novels uh and that this didn't oh god they should have released that because i think that would have been it would have gone so well. <laughs> well, it was the counterculture thing. That's it's the punk in cyberpunk. Yes. It's the counterculture yeah. thing. It was the, this is a book that's, this isn't trying to be star Wars. This isn't trying to be Conan, the barbarian. This isn't you know, like, this is, this is a story about, uh, this is a counterculture story. This, like, yeah. this isn't about the hero who rises above the, the villain and gets the girl in the end. That's not what this is. This is yeah. about something. This is about a world where things just turn out bad and things just get worse. Like, that's just, that's what this is. This is, it's so interesting. Like, yeah, it, it, it's weird. It's so strange to think that. And I, and I wanted to, to touch on, uh, cause I feel like we've covered the, the punk aspect of cyberpunk. Uh, and we've touched, touched on the, the technology of it, but I wanted to ask you about, uh, if we have time to, to dive into like the corporation aspect of cyberpunk. Cause I think that is, also something that tends to get very mm -hmm. integrated with a lot of cyberpunk stories. So I wanted to, I wanted to kind of hear from you because I know when we look at cyberpunk, uh, like the tabletop RPG and the games and stuff, it's, it's very clear that, you know, like Arasaka and Militech, they're, they're very standard corporations, but it feels like a lot of films, uh, you know, Terminator, for example, Skynet is the, the corporation that is, yeah. uh, taking over with the matrix. It is the, the robots, uh, as a corporation, but there, there always has to be kind of this weird underdog story where your protagonist who in most cases will probably be an anti-hero, uh, is having to find a way to, uh, usurp the the power balance between like a mega corporation and the people that are underneath it. Uh, so I was kind of wondering, like, do you did you find that when you were digging around, or is that kind of more more recent uh, um, with a lot of like technology or with a lot of stories and stuff? You know, that's that's a good question. Um, I, I didn't find a lot about that, but I think that this uh, I think that's a um, it's one of the warnings about the future is the rise of corporations over uh, nation states. It, That's it's a really just, good point. It's just one of those like, uh, what's the word? Cautionary like tales. A, a, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. Just, it's a common cautionary tale about like future literature in general. Um, but I do think it, it, it happens a lot in cyberpunk, like like you pointed out. 
Um, but here's here's what I want to do. And I, and I think <laughs> this may be something that we have to make a part two on as well, because there's just so much to do on this. But what I want to do is I want to I want to take apart the Wikipedia article here and just kind of look at it piece by piece, because I think it'll be <clears> fun <throat> to analyze this. And we might have to make a part two on this because there's a lot. Um, so according to the Wikipedia article, and as we know, Wikipedia is constantly revised there's lots of authors and lots of people pulling things and most of these things have references so there's a good reason if something does show up in wikipedia because it's referenced so let's just let's just take it from the top cyberpunk is a subgenre of science fiction in a dystopian futuristic setting that tends to focus on a combination of low life and high tech boom nailed it so far right 100 percent. you and i i think agree 100 percent with all of that yeah. Featuring advanced technological and scientific achievements such as artificial intelligence, cybernetics, a just just juxtaposition with a degree of breakdown or radical change in the societal order or social order. Yeah. A totally. plus. All right. Much of cyberpunk is rooted in the new wave science fiction movement of the 1960s and 1970s when writers like Philip K. Dick, Roger Zelinsky, uh, I'm sorry, Roger Zelezny, Zalesny, Zelezny, right? That's how you pronounce that. I think it's Zelezny. I've always said Zelezny, Zelezny. but I, 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 who knows? Yeah, Zelezny. <laughs> John knows. Brunner, uh, J.G. Ballard, Philip Jose Farmer, and Harlan Ellison examined the impact of drug culture, technology, and the sexual revolution while, and get this, Avoiding the utopian tendencies of earlier science fiction. So they were they were dark dark boys. They're dark of, boys. They a lot of dark boys. Like we were still, talking about still having fun. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the utopian tendencies of science fiction. So this was this yeah. is not this is not Star Wars. This is not Star Trek. Star yeah. Trek is a utopian originally at least was a utopian future. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah. The uh, idea that everything's everything's fine, everything's fancy, whatnot. The, the, it is the the counter for sure uh, to the cyberpunk because it's cyberpunk is very much of just recognizing that the that the future of tomorrow is based off of like the technology of today, but in the in the worst possible way you could imagine. Like everything is just it, it's gone to pot. And there's nothing we can really do. It's, they, yeah, very much anti Star Trek, where everything there's one currency and everything else is free. Right, and all we humans don't even really use currency. All humans are, you know, we're all, all at the top of Maslow's hierarchy, and we're all just, you know, actuating ourselves. You know, like no, that's not that's not the world that you live in in cyberpunk. Um, and and Star Wars, for those of you who are not aware, is fantasy in space. It is not actually science fiction. Sorry to break it to you. Star Wars is space fantasy, not yeah. science fiction. Um, so let's move on with the next next paragraph. Comics exploring cyberpunk themes began appearing as early as Judge Dredd. Awesome. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. Judge Dredd. If you haven't gone back and watched the most recent Drudge, Drudge, Drudge I did it again. <laughs> Judge Dredd movie. Go back and watch that because that movie oh, a good one. kicks ass. First published in 1977. So again, same time period. Like they're vibing on the same thing. Released in 1984, William Gibson's influential debut novel, Neuromancer, would help solidify sub cyberpunk as a genre. This is why, and like that, that thing I read about the cyberpunk book and how it got delayed in publishing is why 
everyone points to Neuromancer. Um, would solidify cyberpunk as a genre drawing influence from punk subculture and early hacker culture other influential cyberpunk writers include bruce sterling and rudy rucker the japanese cyberpunk subgenre began in 1982 with the debut of katsuhiro atomo's manga series akira akira was in 82 with its 1988 anime film adaptation also directed by Atomo. I did not realize he both wrote and directed this. Very, very particular. The, the, the history on that movie is exceptionally deep. A lot of people have, have studied that film because it is, it is uh, absolutely amazing and worth it too. Like, I, I don't know too many cyberpunk fans that haven't watched Akira, but there's a lot of generations growing up that have not. And, the cautionary tale that is Akira is is mind blowing. Like you really, you really have to watch it. It's kind of like Ghost in the Shell. You, you kind of have to watch it a couple Tetsuo! times. Tetsuo! Akira! <laughs> Tetsuo! Oh yeah, man! Go go watch Akira if you haven't seen it. Go watch it. And and, and it's all remind all yourself based on jealousy. Remind remind yourself that this film was made in 1988. Yeah. Remind absolutely yourself. crazy. It's insane. It's like, it, it, it still holds up. The animation's absolutely amazing. Jealousy and military uh, experimentation. Really crazy story. That that's what it came down to. <laughs> oh man. Yep. So, so but yeah, written in Dread, Dread's another good one. Yeah. Uh, later, popularizing the subgenre. So I think all of this spot on. Right. All right. So early films in the genre include Ridley Scott's 1982 film Blade Runner. Again, yeah. right, right, right in that pocket. In the same time period. One of several of Philip K. Dick's works that have been adapted into films, in this case, do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, the film films Johnny Mnemonic, 1995, and New Rose Hotel, 1998. I have not watched that. I haven't watched that one either. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to put that on the list. Let's put that on the list. I'm opening this up right now. This one. Oh, this one stars Christopher Walken. Oh, and I'm in William Defoe what and asia <laughs> okay. argento uh based on william gives story of the same name this is a 98 film wow this is not a good film <laughs> huh. what i've never seen this i've never even heard of this but i'm going to have to look at this now hmm let's see it's a uh, 19 Okay. Gibson wrote this yeah 1998 american cyberpunk erotic drama film co-written and directed by uh, Abel Ferrara and starring Christopher Walken, William Defoe, Willem, I'm sorry, Willem Defoe, and Asia Argento is based on Willem, William, William Gibson's story of the same name. Fox will walk in and X Defoe are corporate extraction specialists, half headhunters, half kidnappers who specialize in helping R&D scientists relocate from corporations who would rather see them dead than working for their competitors. Fox is obsessed with one Hiroshi. Yoshitaka Amano, a paradigm-shattering super genius who is currently working for MAS, the corporation Gibson employs the pre-World World War II term Zaibatsu, who crippled him. To that end, <laughs> Fox and X employ Sandai Argento, a Shinjuku girl, a, or small-time hustler slash call girl, to help persuade Hiroshi to defect the Hosaka, 
another Zaibatsu to watch Fox is somewhat to which Fox is somewhat warmer. Fox is responsible for brokering the deal with Husaka Sandai for getting Hiroshi to fall in love with her and defect to a Hiroshi lab in Marrakesh. Fox and X are based based in Tokyo, hence their ability to pick up a... Okay, so it just goes... This yeah. is this is strange. You know, I, I was looking at the trivia for this uh-huh. uh, weird trivia. The plans for the for the adaption of this short story uh, were made as far back as 1989, which would fit in that pocket uh-huh. uh, with Catherine Bigelow to mm. actually direct it. Can you imagine if they did like a, a, a Hurt Locker Zero Dark Thirty? If you gave her the reins of like a cyberpunk story like that would be that would be gritty. Yeah, I would it's got love like, to see her tackle that. It's got like the Japanese thing connecting yeah uh, going on there she could nail that really really well like i I've, i love her movies and i think that like if she went back and tried to do something like this i think that that would be great not to not to disparage what you know christopher walken and willem <laughs> dafoe but uh this <laughs> critics don't seem to really think this movie is all that good i have to watch this now i gotta figure out where i can watch it uh yeah to, to be able to get this yeah who knows but yeah, really interesting. I didn't know that. I love the things that we get to learn on this show by digging into weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, mm, you want to know how much this film made? How much? Uh, the film uh, opened on October 1st, 1999 in the Cinema Village Triplex in New York City and grossed $5,147 in its opening weekend. And get this, $21,521 in total. They didn't Ouch. make enough money to pay for power on the set of the making of the film. Oh, oh my, my god! This thing just bombed. Uh, they I, they wow. no, in no way paid for uh, Christopher Walken or William Defoe's. No, uh, that was that uh, was uh, <laughs> that is a lost leader for sure. Whew. That's that's painful. 1999 was a good year for for movies too. Uh, that's that's so crazy. Um, wow. Yeah uh yeah okay that was green mile came out that office space came out that year 10 things i hate about you the thin red line the matrix came out that year. yeah the matrix came out that year like yeah that man, was a huge was, year for film it was a big movie year yeah I maybe everything that. else just sucked out all the oxygen in the room oh, um, all right let's centennial man came out in 1999 <laughs> A way better cyberpunk film. <laughs> let's let's wrap up the rest of this. So okay. <laughs> there's the Matrix tri- trilogy, ninety nine through two thousand three, uh, and Judge Dredd, the original ninety five one, which meh, uh, were some of the most successful cyberpunk films. And then we have newer cyberpunk media includes Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which yeah. we should discuss pretty soon. We should do that. A sequel to the original nineteen eighty two film, as well as upgrade which i have not seen from 2018 no oh i I have heard of that though so yeah i do remember hearing about that upgrade is a 2018 cyberpunk action film written and directed by leigh wanell and starring logan marshall green betty gabriel and harrison gilbertson the film follows a technophobe who is implanted with a chip that allows him to control his body after a mugger and then the description fades away uh a mugging left him paralyzed uh produced by jason blum under the blum bloom or jason bloom under the Bloomhouse banner oh okay hmm. i may have to this is written directed by the same person it's got pretty decent ratings so i'm probably gonna have to check that out 
Uh, but let's let's keep going. Yep. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Dread, the 2012 film, which I mentioned, oh, which was not a sequel to the original and is a totally badass, much better film. I like both, honestly. I really do. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, you know, you do you. And which always sounds judgy to me, but maybe that's just the way I say it. Uh, Alita Battle Angel, which. Another one I really liked. I haven't I seen. Liked, I liked it. It's based off the manga and uh mm-hmm. it's it's a really it's a really interesting story because it's the idea of a girl who was uh in spoilers if you haven't watched it but um it's it's not a huge thing you find out pretty quickly uh battle angel alita is a girl who is saved from a a uh, scrapyard by a disgraced uh cybernetics doctor who uh gives her the the she he like finds her body uh saves her um restores her and gives her a new body and in her she he goes out hunting down um other cybernetic people who are murdering so he'll he'll like there's this fear of this uh serial killer out on the streets and uh she's scared and he tells her don't go out at night uh there's a serial killer and then he always disappears at night and uh, you find out that that um, she comes across him uh, murdering these these people for bounties. And uh, she then wants to become like a bounty hunter. And he's like, there's no way I'm letting you become a bounty hunter. And that's when he finds out like she's had like this military martial arts training that's been just like locked away in her brain. Mm. And she's been trying to live this normal life. And then she starts to become this fighter uh, to try and get her way up to this top city. Who's uh, there's like a city above the the lower low life area, the ground level of of where humanity is. And she's trying to work her way up there to try and get answers for who she really is and stuff. And it's this sense of discovery as a as a human and uh, what it means to to live like a, a normal life, but also dealing with the 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 fact that you are a murderer and you are murdering people to get what you want and stuff and really i absolutely really love it um but that's just it, it was a it was an okay film it was not the best film um but they tried to cram a lot of story in two hours i used to kill some cereal but then i cut back on carbs um and then uh, we have i should i should watch that uh the it's based on the 1990s manga battle angel alita and then there's the 1918 netflix tv series altered carbon which i also should probably watch i haven't watched oh god that's such a it the first season is so good yeah. it's so good it has it it is like the epitome of cyberpunk to me like they did yeah. such a good job with that it's it's so worth it you gotta you gotta sit down and it goes quick too like it, it pulls you in i don't know what the second season is like though i i don't i've heard mm. bad things i don't know that i want to dive into it but you know if you if you want like dirty gritty kind of film noir blade runner like stuff uh but with with some more modern day um ideas of of like uh you know like a futuristic hotel with an ai that uh you know has gun turrets mounted in it like altered carbon is a good is a good show for that i love shows about hotels yeah yeah (laughs) that's shining great great film masterpiece all right all right yeah mk uh 10 gamer says uh says he loves that show yeah i'm I'm gonna have to look that one up as well um based on the 22 or i'm sorry 2002 novel of the same name and uh the 2020 remake of the two of 1997 role-playing video game final fantasy 7 did you ever consider final fantasy 7 in 99 in 97 1997 as being cyberpunk 
totally i hadn't yeah. even thought about it back in the day like that didn't even occur to me yeah, it, yeah. everything about it screams like there's a there's a corporation on top bunch of people yeah. living in slums in the bottom yeah cloud is trying to trying to do something he's a snarky a-hole but he's doing he's trying he's to do punk. right he's a punk yeah, kid he's a punk there's a there's a, a, a group of people who are trying to you know break into the facility to bring down the corporate it is basically john like cloud is johnny uh, uh, uh i almost said mnemonic keanu reeves um yeah it, it, it's, of, it's yeah. essentially cyberpunk yeah. i mean the, the world opens up there's a lot of other places in the world there's a there's mm, kind of a magic -y thing going on once you get out of uh the original like city zone but in in the remake especially because you don't ever really like the whole beginning of the game is in that beginning that of city. the city stuff yeah. and that's like that part especially is very cyberpunk um but uh shinra the the mega corporation that's kind of controlling the world yep is like that part of it is very cyberpunky very yeah, much but, so. but yeah almighty yeah I, I never really thought about that that way too and then this wraps up and says uh at least on this paragraph and the video game get this cyberpunk 2077 based on the artillerian games 1988 tabletop role-playing game cyberpunk i hadn't thought about it till now but Who yeah knew? cyberpunk does seem very cyberpunk they should have put it in the name though I know you think it's a little bit off. Um, wow. <laughs> but speaking of that, we got to we got to wrap the show up because we've got the Mass Effect Lorecast coming up next. Yep. Speaking of that, we've got a guest coming to join us on. Uh, let's see. What what month is this? This is August. So at the beginning of September, September, September 5th, we have Jay Gray from Artelsorian coming back to join us to talk about some some more lore from inside the company that actually makes Cyberpunk and Cyberpunk Red. And um, I hear tell, I, I, honestly, I don't know anything, but he says that they've got some stuff cooking. Uh, I know they've always got some stuff cooking, but they've got some stuff cooking under the hood there. And he might be sharing some stuff with us. So that's super exciting. So that's three weeks from now, the week after our patron episode. So come back in three weeks for that. We'll be doing, I think we're just going to have to continue this conversation next week because there's a bunch more stuff here that we can dive into. Or you know what, Logan, you know what might be even more fun because I think we've we've covered this pretty well. I we think, did good on Cyberpunk. I think we did this pretty well. I mean, there's some more details about like uh, film and TV adaptations and things like that. But I think you guys, yeah. guys kind of know where this is going. Why don't we talk about Blade Runner 2049? Because yes, we've been like talking, that. we've been talking about Blade Runner. We've been talking about cyberpunk as what, what it is even is. And I think, I think maybe this is, this movie is even better than the original. It's ooh, okay. What All right. You, I mean, we might have to have that discussion. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if, just, if you, it might be, I'm gonna have to watch it again. We'll see. I'll watch yeah. it again. Watch it again. Get your thoughts together. It might be we'll, better. We'll reconvene next week and we'll we'll have to break down whether or not we think Blade Runner 29 is a better film than Blade Runner. So Well here how about this? Uh, which one okay. in which one is Harrison's Ford's acting better? <laughs> I hate you. Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> okay <laughs> that might be true all right we'll figure this out do you have anything you want to share before we head out uh normal stuff as usual man if you if you if you're down for some cyberpunk uh join us in the discord uh would love to to talk about some of that um thanks to the almighty crit 
for for gifting me a copy of uh, the PS4 version of Cyberpunk 2077. So uh, as soon as I get that, I'm going to start diving into it because I, I really want to understand like how that plays on the on the PlayStation, the base PlayStation version, because every system that I've played it on has been better than the base PS4. And now with the the patches, like we just had a patch uh, last week that I, is supposed to make it even better. So I'm I'm hoping that jumping into it from a clear perspective, you know, I know how the system works. I'm not trying to play it for the story. I'm just trying to play it for the actual uh, the stability and stuff. I'm I'm really curious to jump into it and see how, just how well that plays. So I got that coming. So we'll look forward to that. Um, with uh, Sea of Thieves, not much going on, but we are getting an update next week. Uh, I think it might just be like a cosmetic emporium update for for new content. Uh, I don't know what new event we're going into because it's pretty pretty slow right now. So expect me to be diving into a lot of lore with uh, probably one of the biggest Sea of Thieves lore uh, content creators out in the community for that. So if you want to hear more about uh, lore and deep dives into characters and story and stuff like that. Uh, expect that. Expect that this week and then next week. Hopefully, we'll have an update coming in for Sea of Thieves. But other than that, um, I need to get back to Mass Effect. I, I definitely need to jump back into that because yeah. I, I dropped pretty heavy uh, when Sea of Thieves had Pirate's Life come out. I mean, that was kind of a big deal. <laughs> it was kind but... of a big deal. I want to get back to Mass Effect, though. But yeah. that's it for me. If you, if you guys want to get a hold of me, please jump into the Discord, chat with me there. Uh, that's the, probably the best place. Just ping me on there. Yeah, man. Um, I uh... <laughs> So, okay. So tomorrow, tomorrow night, we have, of course, the Witcher Lorecast, and then we have the Xbox Game Pass show. And recently, this last week, there was a game that popped up on the Xbox Game Pass called uh, Boyfriend Dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then I saw Lady Devon, the community manager for um, the uh, Fallout uh, team over at Bethesda, uh, post that she stayed up super late and got hooked on Boyfriend Dungeon. <laughs> And I was like, what? And she was like, no, really, you need to play it. And I was like, how about you come join us on the Xbox Game Pass show on Monday night and talk to us about it? And she was like, yeah, that sounds awesome, but you need to play it. <laughs> so it's like, it's deceptive. <laughs> you get to date more. You get to, if you want it, Tom, if you wanted to date girls, you could date girls. But no, you know no, what? I if don't have, wanted... wait, 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 wait. I have nothing. I have no problem with the inclusionariness of dating guys or girls. Like I was, that's fine. I like it's a role playing. Sure. I was like, I was like, sure. I can make a guy. I can make a girl. I made a guy. It was, it was like, Hey, go on a uh -huh. date with a guy. I was like, that's fine. Okay, cool. I'll go on a date with a guy. I'll see what he's like. Turns out he's, he's like, he's player. He's player. Yeah. Don't hate the player. Yeah. I hate the game. I was like, I'm gonna hit the player anyway. And then, then, <laughs> and then there was a lady and I was like, that's cool. I'll go on a date with a lady too. Um, I was fine. Like, I'm totally cool with that. But like but, people turn into wet like weapons. Did you ever play Xeno Xenoblade Chronicles 2 though? No, no, I didn't play Xenoblade Chronicles. I mean in 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 Japanese culture, weapons are a part of you. They're, they're people and they're people. Cats are people, uh <laughs> bunnies are people, everything's people, people in Japan. So and, why wouldn't blades be people so as there well? There are too? wielders. And then there are weapons. They don't have names. Sword, yeah, they do. Sword people. Yeah. They're we weapon people and Relics. they can turn into people. And Artifacts. Then, Call them what you want. I don't know. And then you can like 
you hold them and yeah, hit, hit the, things with them. It, it, the better relationship you have with your weapon, the more damage you deal. That yeah. makes complete okay. sense. So, you you got to take care of your weapons. And right. what better way to take care of your weapons than going on a really steamy date? I know, right? So here's the, here's the thing. Like the game starts out, and I'm like, "This is super weird." And then and then your um your your cousin your cuz teaches you all about Dayton because you've never been on a date before, Jesse. Who, by the way, what does this guy know about dating? Because at the top half he dresses like a lumberjack, and the bottom half he dresses like a surfer dude. Pick one, Jesse. What do you know about dating? You can't get a date dressing like a surfing lumberjack. That's not going to work. It's, it's urban yuppie. Jesse. I, I got <laughs> pick one. Just go jump into I'm, uh, you'll, I, I did you'll jump into it. I played an hour and a half. And to be to be absolutely frank with you, it, it actually really gets good. Like This is a really well done game. It's actually a good game. It's half dating sim and it's half dungeon delver like indie yeah. uh roguelite and it, it's actually really well done and you find better gear and like you level up and you go around the town and you go on little dates and then you level up your your weapons and and you actually have to pick like the right responses and then craft things in order to improve your your relationships in order to go further yeah. down into the dungeon i mean you gotta give them gifts yeah you gotta give them the right gifts because they don't yeah. like certain kinds of gifts like don't give the dagger girl a teddy bear because she's not that kind of girl no, she she's a dagger girl. She's she a doesn't want girl. teddy bears. She, she no, she doesn't want teddy bears. This is, this is this is that kind of game, guys. Uh, I have a whole I have a whole hour and a half first hour and a half video up on on my uh, my YouTube. But um, I've been streaming a lot more games too, guys. Um, back to streaming now that my brain works again because medicine. Imagine crazy that crazy thing. Crazy thing. Um, so come come hang out uh, other weeks during the or other nights during the week when I'm not streaming uh, podcasts. Uh, <laughs> you know, play games and stuff. I am going for, and this is just the last thing we say before I let you guys go. Everybody on Twitch wants like, and and Logan, you know how this goes. They want streamlined UI. They want mostly video game with like streamlined elements, no clutter, little tiny little announcements. Tiny little notifications. Not me. Screw that. I want <laughs> I want clutter. I'm gonna have the I am have the noisiest, grossest looking stream on no. the internet. I'm just gonna add no. junk all over the place. So come to my stream for the grossest looking stream everywhere. And um, it's gonna be it's gonna I've got a I've got a dog I've got a pup cam. I've got my pups. I've got uh, stream avatars walk around on the bottom and then you can make them do things. They can play games together. You can fight bosses You can do all sorts of things. I've got my little my little dude on the bottom I don't even have camera on my face. I've got a fake little guy down the bottom. That's me uh, you, If you if you redeem points, you can have buddy bop pop up if you redeem, redeem enough points You can make it look like a teenage girl decorated my stream and there's all sorts of other things that pop up. It looks amazing I think you'll enjoy it. Western if, medicine. if you could if I could make the not like this meme appear right now mm -hmm. i really would <laughs> mm -hmm. yes <laughs> i'm going the this. opposite direction of whatever else is doing because that's the only way to stardom that's what i've learned one does not simply have a clean ui no man no don't do what everyone else is doing that's not the way to win the game of life <laughs>
All right, guys, thank you for joining us for the Cyberfunk Lorecast. I hope you enjoyed our dive into what is Cyberfunk. What we is. will be back next week. We love you guys being here. We especially love you guys being in chat with us um, and just hanging out with us on the Discord and in our streams and just being here with us. Um, it's super fun to have you as our friends. And thanks for being here. We'll see you guys next week. And stay tuned if you are live with us for the Mass Effect Lorecast. It is coming up in the next 20 minutes. We'll see you in just a little bit. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Cyberpunk Lorecast. This show is a part of the Robots Radio Network, smart podcasts for interesting people. If you'd like to help support the show, please tell a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to get in contact, please send an email to cyberpunklorecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at cyberpunklore. Also, join the community on the Robots Radio Discord. The link is in the show notes. The music on the show was written and performed by The Midnight and was used with their permission. Go check them out at themidnightofficial.com. Until next time, stay safe in Night City. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey there, my name is Jameson, or Big Cat. And I am Brenna, or Mother Goose. And together, we are the hosts of The DL, Weekly Gaming News. Each week, we bring you the top stories from last week, as well as something you might have missed. Our goal is to start a conversation about what's going on in the world of gaming. And every week, we have a special guest join us in the chat room, where we discuss a different gaming-related topic and learn more about our guests in the 60-second download. And if that isn't enough, we also have Slim Jims. So come and hang out with us every week and join in on the conversation. Good luck and have fun, everybody. And remember, keep your goose loose. Hey, I'm Tom. And I'm Stuart. And we're from the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. We talk about all things connected to D&D lore. And we're on the Robots Radio Network. So if you're into Dungeons & Dragons or you're into lore, then come check us out. You can find us on any podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. Roll more dice. That's the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, from Soft Lorecast, available everywhere.